Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. In a one-two step and maybe stepping out of the only place Russell Wilson is known in his professional football career, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Best case, worst case for a team that's far worse off than the Seahawks right now. That's the Atlanta Falcons. That's in 10 minutes with one of the great Falcons wideouts. It is Friday. Friday. Come Monday, Jay will be back with us. We'll be running the three-man. I'm back, Key. (laughs) I'm back. You don't seem happy. No, you haven't gone anywhere. You've been with us the entire time. I know. It's the same face that you made when Zubin said, Jay Will, Zubin, and Keyshawn. (laughs) We're going to break. You don't look happy. Yeah. No, that's (laughs) Hey, man. I don't worry about the small things. Don't sweat the small stuff, Jason. But, but there are some big problems. Twitter doesn't – Keyshawn doesn't like Zubin. He's a jerk. Keyshawn doesn't like Jay Will. Uh, right now, only you, Key. Only you. all that anger that Key is channeling. Of, see, now you're using the word anger. See, this is the sports this stuff coming told, out of you. This is what happened. This is – exactly. You, you give him a rope, he wants to be a cowboy. Here we go. Is there any anger between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson? It certainly seems that way. Explosive piece yesterday published online essentially saying that Wilson is upset, super upset to the point where it hit a crescendo before their Thursday night game back last November 19th against the Arizona Cardinals. He walked in. The team was sputtering. They had lost the game to Buffalo, looked awful in that game. They lost to the Rams. It looked awful in that game. And he essentially said, I have some ideas about how to fix the offense. You know, I am one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. They dismissed his discur- uh, They dismissed his thoughts, and boom, he walked right out of the room, stormed out of the room. So his agent came out yesterday and said, "Look, Russell's not demanding a trade." By the way, they didn't deny anything in those stories, which is notable. So, but I'm not demanding a trade. But but hey, look, if there was a trade to be had, Adam Schefter says these four fan bases need to really pay attention. While Russell Wilson would like to remain in Seattle, he does have a no-trade clause, and he has told the Seahawks that if you are going to trade me, here are the four teams that I'm open to being traded to. The Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, the Chicago Bears, the Las Vegas Raiders. And so while he's not demanding a trade, he's leaving open the idea of a trade, and even that gets the mind going and gets the attention of executives across the league Now, those four teams, certainly they heard their ears perk up. But there is a fifth team that was certainly not mentioned by Wilson, and it's very important to remember, like he and Watson both have a no-trade clause, so they don't have to go to a struggling team. They can choose their destination if they can come to an agreement with the parent club. But key, the Jets is a team you have proposed. Not one Wilson has set the scene on how this could be something that could be irresistible on all sides here. Well, I just think that when you – okay, so everybody's excited about the opportunity maybe to get Deshaun Watson because he's 25, 20, going to be 26 years old. He's younger. Uh, Russell Wilson is not old. I mean, you know, he's older, and he still has a lot left in the tank. And if you really believe that a veteran quarterback is the way to go, if you're the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks are really looking to – or Russell Wilson is really looking to get out of Seattle, mm-hmm. why not – Pursue it. If you're the Jets, why not offer why not offer Sam Darnold in those two first round picks that you got for Jamal Adams back to Seattle to bring in Russell Wilson? Maybe Seattle says we'll give you Russell in a third. You give us those two ones back in Sam Darnold, and you got your veteran quarterback because you can't get Deshaun Watson because Houston, Texas wants so much 
that you're not willing to give up all of that capital, at least you keep some of those draft picks that you would have had to give up to, for Deshaun, and you can build over the next six, seven years with Russell Wilson. Key, I love it because if I'm, if I'm the Jets, I'm swinging for defenses. I'm, I'm the first on the line making that call. And I'm also trying to cater to things for Russ. It's like, hey, look, we want to build the franchise around you. And Russell Wilson, for the lifestyle that he lives with Sierra, in New York City, like that is, that, that's the selling point. Take over the media mecca of the world. Right here in New York City, you will be the face. That's additive to already building a team with Robert Sala. Well, you, you're building a team, right? Robert Sala knows you from the division. Yep. Uh, Mike LaFleur kind of knows you from the division. So they kind of understand what you are as a quarterback. Not only that, your wife is an entertainer. And she's a singer and an actress and, and commercials. and So all of that sort of stuff could be appealing if that's something that the Jets would look at. And, that, 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 and I'm not saying that that's something that Russell Wilson wants to do because when you're a veteran quarterback, you want to win a Super Bowl. You don't want to start all over again. But maybe there's, it's a year away instead of six years away. Maybe they become a year away because now maybe – you draft guys, you develop the young guys that you have, and you are in a winnable division. You're in a winnable division. I don't know. It's just something that I thought about because they're not going to get Deshaun probably. And if you're not getting Deshaun and you're looking for a quarterback like that, then Russell Wilson could be available to you. Take me inside here as a player. Let's just say, because I still think, but you never know, right? I mean, you never know. We're talking about this three weeks ago. People would have been like, give me a break. But let's just say they Give don't trade him. <laughs> Good TV show. I have to build it up for that one. Um, so let's say they don't trade him, right? He's got four teams they want to be moved to. And as you just heard Adam mention those four teams, and they just can't strike a deal with those four teams. And he remains in Seattle. Clearly, the relationship is fractured. It's frayed. There's something there. Let's just say he, let's just say he stays. How do you? How do you just sort of move forward? Because there's some really hard feelings there. I mean, how does it, what, is, what is it like when he meets Pete Carroll again and, and he knows that he's frustrated? I mean, how does that work if he stays? Oh, you knew we were never going to trade you. <laughs> Come here, give me a hug. That's all it's going to be. It's Simple as that. Yeah, it's going to be the fake laugh and the fake hug and, oh, you guys finally got it right. It's not going to be anything other than that. Because the one thing that you do as an athlete is you separate the frustration from the winning. You want to win. Whatever frustrations you have, you get rid of that when you walk into the building. When it's, when, when it's time to go to work, you go to work. You don't carry that with you when the decision is made that you're going to stay. That's not going to be productive at all. Now, what will happen is there are going to be a few players in the locker room that may have been distant from you to begin with. They now have gotten further away from you. Right. That's what I'm talking you about. Know, That's what I'm talking they, They're now looking at you They like – Man, this dude, you know, it's still going to be that. But a lot of that, Jay, has to do with jealousy. A lot of that has to do with him empowering himself to another level. And guys have to accept it. And then they will. They'll play. They're going to play for him. They may not go to his bowling tournament (laughs) or show up at his golf event, but they're going to play with him for sure. But look, if it translates, if Russell gets his way and it translates to a Super Bowl, I mean, what are you going to do? Everybody's there to win, right? Yes. I mean, Absolutely. so at the end of the day, uh, more mouths get fed if you're part of a Super Bowl championship team. 
than if you're not. So, look, it's, if he, he is in the position of power for the time, if they can readdress that offensive line, which you know Pete Carroll and company are working on, you know, if they are going to play a little bit more of an up-tempo offense that isn't just based around running the ball, like Pete Carroll reverted back to after they lost that game back-to-back to the Bills and the Rams in which Russell had seven turnovers, if Russell can play at that MVP caliber type level and he gets what he wants, the players and the rest of the team will be on board if you're winning. If you're not, then they will look at other options. Under the radar transaction, the Seahawks hired Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator after firing Brian, Brian Schottenheimer. Now, they did say, and it's been publicly reported, that Wilson was in on that, and I would imagine the relationship between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator is very important. Is that an olive branch? Is that a first step? Like, when you have a say in your OC, which seems like common sense if you're a QB, but they did involve him in the process when a lot of other teams don't involve their QBs. What does that first step tell you? Well, it's, it's, they're listening. They are listening. But they also recognized that the offense under Brian Schottenheimer wasn't getting it done. And it was time to part ways. They had, he had been the offensive coordinator there for several years, and the offense was kind of just good enough but not where they wanted it to be. And I'm not talking about – when people think about offenses, they think about scoring a whole bunch of points and high-flying and octane. And, oh, my God, they threw they, – they, total yards was 500. They lead the league in – that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for consistency, plays called at the right time to deliver points. Because you can get the ball back on defense for your offense, and then all of a sudden you stall, kick a 40-yard field goal, and miss. They don't want that. They want offense that's consistent, that's putting points on the board, enough points to win. When you get enough points to win, that's all that matters. You don't have to be record-breaking. Because record-breaking offenses, they don't win Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's been proven. And, Jay, let me ask you this. Uh, you just sort of mentioned some of the numbers there for Russell Wilson, that, that turnover span in the two games. It's a little arbitrary, but there's been reported, and it was in the explosive piece yesterday, that essentially said, look, in the last eight games, I know it's an arbitrary number, but let's just call eight a half a season, right? It's fair. Bad that, second half of the season. Right. That was the worst half season that he's ever had in the NFL statistically. I remind people they did make the playoffs, right? But uh, have you seen any level of regression? The Seahawks are saying, you got to be more accountable, man. Um, we need you to meet our standard. Is that a legit argument from what you've seen? The numbers kind just the numbers, the numbers kind of do indicate that. It is possible to have two competing thoughts in your mind at the same time, Zubin. And I know Key always gets on me for saying that, but <laughs> there is the reality that his level of play dropped off. But there's also the reality of the fact that he is on his way to becoming the most sacked quarterback in the history of the game, right? So when you're constantly running for your life, throwing the ball that way, um, is that the long-term success going to pan out the way you want it to? Maybe not. Uh, but like both sides are right. It's about finding middle ground. That it is. You got to remember they shifted what they were doing from the start of the season. Mm-hmm. The second half, they ran the ball more. So his completion percentage is going to be down. His touchdowns are going to be down. I mean, that's just right. They the f- ran the ball. Right. The five and zero start was unbelievable. And then, like you said, change in offense the way Carroll wants to do it. Russ wants to cook. 
Carol wants to run. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with more than 30 unique coverage options available. Progressive knows small business. Learn more at progressivecommercial.com. Best case, worst case for the Dirty Birds. Pretty simple concept here. We give you a team and we ask somebody that's closely associated with the team what the best case scenario would be in the offseason. And then, unfortunately, we got to go the other way too and ask the worst case scenario. If you're wondering, we already hit the Green Bay Packers earlier this morning. If you're interested to what the best and worst case is for Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and company as they are tied to the hip, you can check out hour two of the podcast. Let's go to... The Falcons, Harry Douglas, ESPN former uh, ESPN football analyst, and of course a former Falcons wide receiver, joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Okay, Harry, we'll go one at a time here. First things first, best case scenario for the Falcons this off season is they the ability to bring in a pass rusher that can rush the quarterback. That's that's a deficiency they've had the last two or three years within that organization. Grady Jarrett, he needs help. Um, the more you can sack the quarterback, we've seen it with the Super Bowl winning champions down there in Tampa Bay, those guys getting after the quarterback, rushing four and sometimes five. When, you're, when you have the ability to do that, your chances of winning football games and getting into the dance and actually winning everything and winning a Super Bowl are a lot more higher. I think that's really interesting because everything around this team has always been about offense, including their new head coach who is offensively minded. So the fact that you said defense is a real concern, I think, is pretty instructive. All right, on the other side, I know, I, I know as a former Falcon, you don't want to go here, but now you're in the media. Okay, so you got to do it. Worst case scenario for the Falcons this offseason is? The worst case scenario for the Falcons is not being able to get a running back to get the running game started. The new head coach they just brought in, Arthur Smith, a guy that I'm very close with, played for in Tennessee. Loves to rush the football. Everything is predicated off the run game, the play-action game. So the worst-case scenario is the run game and uh, not being able to get the run game started and not having a running back to be efficient in the run game as well. Harry, let me ask you this. Mel Kuyper Jr. has the Falcons with the second, um, second, pick, in the latest, his second pick in the latest mock draft moving up to take Zach Wilson. Um, what do you think about that in the first round? Um, that's a little tricky, Key. You got you, you to you watch it now because when you look at the Falcons, they're over the cap right now by $15 million. So what that tells me is that they have to – you can't bring in organizational changers in free agency because of the lack of money that you have when it comes to the cap. Now, in saying that, you have to bank on this draft and some of these young guys coming in right now and playing. And I'm going to give you some examples, Key. 2008 draft class for the Falcons, I was a part of that one. They brought in Matt Ryan, Sam Baker in the first round, Curtis Lawson at linebacker in the second round, Chevis Jackson, myself, Croy Beerman, Thomas Deku. All these guys played major roles uh, on that 2008 and, and, and moving forward for the Falcons. Now, you look at Terry Fontenot. He's the new GM now in Atlanta. He was with the Saints. You look at the 2016 draft class for the New Orleans Saints. Four of the five guys they hit on, Sheldon Rankins, Michael Thomas, your nephew, Von Bell, and um, David Omiyata. You look at 2017, they hit on five of the seven draft picks. Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramshack, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, Trey Hendrickson. That's the model that the Falcons, I believe, are going to have to take because you don't have the money to spend in free agency. Now, when you move up to number two to take a quarterback, you are getting, uh, giving away some of your draft capital that you have to, to pan out your roster because you can't do so much in free agency that, like, like, like you would like. But I, on the flip side of it, in 2011, uh, Thomas Dimitrov with the Falcons, they gave up a lot to go get Julio. That panned out. It panned out in the sense of 
production, but it didn't pan out in the sense of bringing a Super Bowl to Atlanta. So you have to be careful there. Now, the main thing, Key, in my, in my eyes is that the new GM, Terry Fontenot, and new head coach, Arthur Smith, they have to figure out if Matt Ryan is their quarterback for the next three or four years. If they have any doubt, then go get your quarterback. Harry, how much does Matt Ryan have left in the tank, man? I think he still he, he still has something left in the tank. And I came in with Matt Ryan in 2008 and, and been around him, man. He's a great leader, knows the game of football. He works hard, demands excellent of himself. And then when he doesn't play well, play well, he takes accountability. And that's what you want out of your quarterback. But now it's time for Matt to propel this organization over the hump, right? That's the next step because we all know he has the intangibles. We know he can play the game of football. We know he, he's great in no huddle. We, we know all these things. Now, can he get to the big game? Can he get the Falcons back to the playoffs and actually win a Super Bowl? I think that's the next hurdle for Matt Ryan and his career and his legacy. It's easily the biggest question the Falcons are going to be dealing with here in the immediate future. And I'm really glad you brought up Terry Fondo because I think outside of the Southeast, people don't really think about this. They think about the Bears and the Packers and the Ravens and the Steelers. But, and you know this as well as anybody, that rivalry between New Orleans and Atlanta is a real thing. So if Fontenot going from one side to the other really gives us a little extra spice. Harry, really appreciate the perspective this morning. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you guys for having right. me. That's ESPN football analyst Harry Douglas, former Falcons wide receiver. I, I thought Jay asked the, the money question, and I think, you know, we heard Harry's opinion. Um, what does Matt Ryan have left? I mean, that's I the whole I, thing. I think he's got a lot left. I just don't want to yeah. see it be wasted in Atlanta. Uh-huh. You know, I just – I don't know. I don't know what Atlanta is. Sometimes when you have a struggling team and you bring in a new head coach in a new situation, that team catches fire. We saw it with the Los Angeles Rams. They had a nice nucleus of players. They brought in Sean McVay. Two years later, they were in the Super Bowl. Jeff Fisher was stale, and it was kind of like time to get away from Jeff Fisher. You look at those situations all the time, in the National Football League, when a, when a team has talent, a new coach comes in, all of a sudden, boom, you look at Matt LaFleur down in, in uh, Green Bay. Yeah. They were stale under Mike McCarthy first year in the NFC Championship game. So it's kind of like I don't know what to make of the Falcons because I think they still with Ridley and Julio Jones and obviously Matt Ryan. He mentioned uh, a pass rusher. They missed on Vic Beasley when they drafted him a couple years ago. Out of Clemson, they, he had a great year. He, they missed on that. Um, uh, it was another uh, Tack McKinley. They missed on oh, him to one. a degree. Oh, man. That uh, you know, so they've been set behind on this defensive pass rush that they've been looking for. So it just depends on what they retool and how they look in doing that. Key, I'm with you. I don't want to see it be wasted. So, Arthur Smith, great opportunity. I'll give it a year. The following year, I can have be a free agent to a degree. And John Lynch came out the other day and talked about it in, in the 49ers situation. Yeah, he, he backed Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, look, their, their feet are stuck in the mud with that situation. It doesn't pan out after this year for them. Matt Ryan to the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they have the offense and the quarterback that they've always wanted. Makes sense as a reunion there, of course, together in 2016 in Atlanta when they were on the brink of the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl and almost had it since then, the franchise. And frankly, Matt Ryan, let's be honest, has just not been the same since that moment. We should also mention one thing I thought that Harry said was really great on the way out the door here was that most of those guys, he reeled off all those draft classes, Key, most of those guys were drafted by Thomas Dimitrov. So this is an organization that's now replacing their GM 
and their head coach. And that's a lot of major change for any organization in one off season. On the way, everybody has weighed in on the Russell Wilson what? friction with the Seahawks. But how about talking to a guy that was actually in the locker room when Russ and the Seahawks had their greatest success? He'll join us next. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Russ, say what you want. Say what you want the Seattle Seahawks to do, whether that's trade you or what they need to do from a player acquisition standpoint. If the Seattle Seahawks are not in the next Super Bowl, someone's going to have to go. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We've been ahead to hear with your Sports Center update. Selection Sunday is March 14th. Let's get you up to date on everything that happened. Busy night of college basketball last night, including Gonzaga, who had to sort of pull away from Santa Clara in the second half for an 89-75 win. It's their 20th straight win by double digits, tying 71-72 UCLA Bruins for the longest streak ever by a number one team in the Associated Press poll. But Jay and Seth Greenberg, who joined us earlier this morning, have both said they're worried that the Zags, simply put, haven't been challenged. They're in search of their first national championship. As you know, from college basketball to the NBA, double dip tonight, Pacers at the Celtics. The Celtics are just in an absolute tailspin at this point, to see if they can right the ship at home in the first half of the doubleheader against the Pacers. And then the Lakers, who also are skidding a little bit themselves, they got Portland at home tonight. We'll see how it works out. NBA doubleheader tonight on ESPN. Tip at 7.30 in Boston, 10 o'clock in Los Angeles. Black History Always this Sunday, the 28th of February. Marking 33 years since the Jamaican bobsled team, later immortalized in the feature film Cool Runnings, debuted at the Winter Olympics in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. At least one Jamaican men's sled competed in every Olympics. Think about it. They don't exactly get a lot of natural weather there to work it out. From 88 to 2002, they went back in 2014. Great, great moment. Great film, too. A lot of fun. Sports Center brought to you by Mako. Get a refresh with your refund during Mako's tax season event for expert paint and collision repair. 
Use their contactless services. It's as easy as book quote fix. Uh-oh, better get Mako. Visit Mako.com today to schedule your free estimate. Terms and conditions apply. Here's the thing, Marcus Spears. He kind of said it, but <laughs> not really. We know the deal. He hasn't demanded a trade. Russell Wilson, of course, we're speaking of. By his agent, Mark Rogers, putting it out there. But then Adam Schefter saying if he would be traded, he'd like to go to four teams. He does have a no-trade clause. Quick reminder before we go inside the Seattle locker room to really get the skinny. Tune in tomorrow for college basketball action. North Carolina hosting Florida State. Coverage begins at 3.30 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. It's a pleasure to welcome in Cliff Averill, Legion of Boom, Super Bowl champion. And while everybody on earth is speculating about what's going on with Russell Wilson, why don't we actually ask a guy that was in the locker room with this squad. From what you're hearing, Cliff, all the stuff here over the last 24 hours, take us inside. What is Russell Wilson's relationship like with the Seattle Seahawks? Well, I thought it was great. (laughs) I I thought it was really good. Um, but you know, you start to hear you start to hear about some of the different things that are going on. Whether it's uh, you know him wanting to be more involved in in personnel and, and different things like that. I thought all those things were actually already going on. So to hear that they're not is interesting because, as we all know, you know all the quarterbacks, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Dak Prescott, whoever it may be, a lot of those guys do have a say or are actually a part of those conversations. So to hear him not being a part of it is a little interesting. And there was an article out in The Athletic yesterday that mentioned veterans like yourself, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, um, you know, and a few more that kind of looked at Russell Wilson a little bit different after the Super Bowl win in his status with the organization and relationship with Pete. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think over time, yes, yeah, some guys have, have had issues with um, the relationship. But I think it's more of, and as you know, Keyshawn, the quarterback always has gotten treated differently from from high school all the way on up, right? They, yeah. they, they have a different relationship with the head coach. They have a different relationship with ownership, whatever. And I think that's more of the issue is guys felt like he had a different relationship uh, than, than they did, I guess, with the, uh, with the head coach. Well, again, that's a normal thing. That's a common thing. So some guys just couldn't, I guess, get out of their way in, in how they felt about that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's always been a thing for me. It's always been a thing that I've noticed and paid attention to. But it's never rubbed me the wrong way or anything like that because that's what I've been used to through my years of playing football. Now that you look at it from a distance in Seattle, is Russell Wilson let, – let me put it this way. Would the Seahawks right now move on from Russell Wilson? Are they tired of how he has approached this from a couple years, starting from a couple years ago to where we are today? No, I don't. uh, You can't pick up franchise quarterbacks just off the street. You know what I'm saying? You can't pick up uh, uh, MVP type of quarterbacks. You can't pick up a quarterback that has won, you know, over 100 games in a short period of time. Like you can't you can't find those guys anywhere. So I don't see them moving on without them. And not at least not this year, not the next couple of years. You know, he does have that no trade clause in his in his contract. So he really dictates that as well. But overall, though, no, I don't see them moving away from him. I mean, this man has done so much over his his, you know, nine, 10 year career. 
how can you move on from them? I, I don't I don't see where where it can make sense, honestly, um, unless it becomes a personal thing, unless it becomes more of, you know, they just can't work together outside of that. I, I don't see them moving on uh, with Russell. I see him being the quarterback for the Seahawks for the next couple of years for sure. Cliff, it does feel like it is personal, right? He's on his way to becoming the most sacked quarterback in the history of the game. So with that being said, what does this team need to do in order to get over the hump and win a Super Bowl? Well, they need to have a kumbaya moment first and foremost because that that, that seems to be the issue right now because everybody has a lot of uh, emotions and different things that are going on right now. I think they all need to collectively just come together and have just have a conversation. He needs to be a part of that dialogue. But, yes, he has been sacked uh, almost 400 times in his career, which is which is crazy to think about. But he also plays a role in that. He can't, you know, we can't just think of the O-line or play calling or any of that stuff. With Russell Wilson in the way that he plays, where we like to see these these Houdini plays, him spinning out of stuff and and launching the ball 50 yards down the field. Well, with those types of plays come sacks because those guys on the other side get paid too. Those guys are athletes too, right? So uh, I think it's, again, collectively, they need to just figure out a way, an offense, a way that, that he can go out there and do those types of plays and not allow him to get hit so much because he ain't getting no younger. He's no spring chicken. He's not, he's, not, he's not running past guys like he used to anymore. So they have to find a way to, to revamp and, and allow him to be able to sit in that pocket or roll out whenever he needs to and get those plays downfield without him getting sacked so much. Let's say that kumbaya moment goes wrong. Play the hypo- hypothetical game with me for one second. <laughs> Where would the best fit for Russell Wilson be other than Seattle? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, if you just look at the landscape out there, obviously everybody's talking about Matt Stafford's trade and and the first-round draft picks that he got. Russell's going to want more than that, obviously. And and we haven't seen anything like this in the NFL. We haven't seen quarterbacks just get traded for first-round draft picks. But if, if, if I was to think of it, I would have to go with the Jets, right? Because the Jets have the capital to be able to give it up. Um, you know, on, on top of the fact that they, they have Robert Sala, who was a part of the team when we won the Super Bowl as well, as the head coach. So I would say the Jets, they have two first-round draft picks, maybe even give up a second round. The Seahawks would be getting uh, some of their draft picks back uh actually you know for for the jamal adams trade so that would be the one team that i think has enough capital to even try to go after someone like a russell wilson you play with matt stafford in detroit what is matt stafford gonna do for the rams i think he's gonna take him to another level um matt stafford you know he a lot of people don't know what he's able to do because he played for Detroit. They're not on national television all the time. They're not, they're not getting those games. But Staff, man, he can, he can play some ball. You know, I, I've, I've seen this man. He can flick the ball 60 yards. He still can throw with the best of them. You know, he's, he, got, he has an arm. So I think that's what the Rams were, were, were missing, in a sense. You know, Goff is, is what he is. He, he's a play-action guy. He, he can't necessarily do it himself. But Stafford can. You know, Stafford's played with some of the best players. So, uh, unfortunately, being a Seahawks fan, and, and, and being in the NFC West, the Rams just got better with getting Stafford in, in that offense and the weapons that he has around him. How much longer, real quick, how much longer for Pete at 70 years old? Mm. <laughs> Man, Pete just signed that extension to 2025. Pete ain't going nowhere. This is what Pete does. This is what he loves to do. Uh, you, can't, you can't pull him out of that offense. You can't pull him off that football, or that football field. I see Coach Carroll going through this extension through 2025. And then, you know, if they continue to keep winning games, I see him signing another extension, to be honest with you.
Wow, he's gonna be like Marv Levy, coaching up until his eighties. That's I mean Carroll's seventy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's young at heart, right? If you just told me hey, just look, look at Coach Carroll has <laughs> Go ahead, Clay. Coach Carroll Coach Carroll might be the oldest coach in the league, but he he has the most energy of any coach I know. Like this man will be out in the football field, throwing the ball 40, 50, 60 yards with the quarterbacks, you know, having fun, just dancing around. He doesn't act his age, I tell you that. So if he could keep that going, he'll be all right. No doubt about it. The question now is, is one of those quarterbacks going to be, you know who? Great perspective inside the locker room, was there to see Russ take off. Your career took off as a Super Bowl champion. And now we'll wait to see what the latest iteration of the Seahawks looks like. It's going to be fascinating. Cliff, thanks a lot. All right, but Thanks, Cliff. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, fellas. Great insight. Great insight there. And he's with you, by the way, in the Jets, huh? I mean, you know, <laughs> what can I say? You know, Robert well, Sala. He's, he's hit it first. So he's well, I'm, I, you know, Robert Sala, you look at that, you look at the relationship in Seattle. He was the D.C. in San Francisco. Mike LaFleur was a, a, the passing game coordinator. They kind of seen Russell two times a year. It, so it's kind of like. You know, it just makes sense. Not that it'll happen. Right. Because when things make too much sense, never they never happen. Never happens. <laughs> exactly. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. That was Cliff Averill on the Goodyear hotline. On the way, if the Seahawks do lose Russell Wilson, there'll be heartbreak all throughout Rain City, all through the Pacific Northwest. We've been asking you this morning, the team that always breaks your heart. Who is it? Line up the phone calls, 888-729-3776-888-SAY-ESPN. And our Before I Let You Go is on a team that never, ever breaks their fans' heart. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. So we've been asking this morning one more thing before we let you go. We've been asking this morning, what's the team that always breaks your heart? Gets to the brink, finally can't get over the top, is there, just just can't get it done, and it just kills you every time. Your thoughts on that in just a second, but we're going to end this morning with a team that never does that to their fan base. Just a reminder, there is spring football happening tomorrow, North Dakota State will play Southern Illinois on ESPN+. Plus. You guys want to take a guess the last year, not even the, the date, the last year that North Dakota State lost a game? 2017. On the money. Wow. On the money. November 4th, wow. 2017. 
legendary showdown with South Dakota State. You know what happens when South Dakota State and North Dakota. We don't have to go into that. I think Big tailgate. No. Gigantic. Gigantic. Splitting the Dakotas, the whole thing. I just want to mention, this is interesting. When Trey Lance gets drafted by whoever he gets drafted by, keep in mind, at that time, unless something insane happens, North Dakota State is going to be playing in the FCS playoffs. So think about that. For all the great things North Dakota State has done, eight of the last nine national titles, they won their opener last week. Think about this, arriving to the scene. They're going to be trying to win their ninth championship in 10 years. And during that playoff run, Trey Lance is going to be drafted to join Carson Wentz. It's really amazing. Because of the shifting of the schedule and the coronavirus, you'd never have the two things going, right? Because North Dakota State wouldn't be playing spring football. They'd be playing fall football. But think about this. In April and May, specifically in April, when the draft takes place on April 29th, they could be looking for their ninth title in 10 years while sending maybe one of their most talented players to be picked in the first round of the NFL draft, leaving early at the quarterback position in the FCS. No Bison fans have ever had their heart broken. That is just incredible. Yeah, no, it's wild. I, I, you know, you think about Carson Wentz, you think about Trey Lance. I don't understand why the Power Five schools didn't look like, at where. Him. Yeah, like how did they miss that? Yeah. Like where did they? Like how did they miss it? Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into this, but Key, you're involved in all this stuff. Um, you know, uh, Trey Lance was at the Elite Eleven. You know, he was there. Yeah, he was like don't... right on the brink. It's not like nobody discovered him. He's from Marshall, Minnesota, which is probably a little bigger than where Wentz came from. But it's again, it's just one of those things where you never ever know. How do you miss guys? Especially today, they find it's guys too many everywhere. There's too many damn schools, Jay. <laughs> how did like right? He could have went to Minnesota. He could have went to any of the schools in the region. Yeah. Like how did they miss? Unbelievable. Their so loss. Wild. Their loss is the Bison's gain. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, so nobody in the Bison community, nobody in Fargo has their heart broken. You mentioned Wentz. Wentz's old division, of course, was the NFC East. He had some great duels with the Cowboys, Cowboys, Eagles. They get together. It's time to pay Dak Prescott. We know that. Is it going to be a franchise or is it going to be the elusive long-term deal they're looking for if they can figure out if it's going to be four or five years? Our Dan Orlovsky says, pump the brakes. Yeah, you got to pay Dak, but there shouldn't be as many zeros and commas as everyone's saying. Don't pay good players great player money. Do not pay good players great player money. Dak Prescott is a good player. If the Cowboys pay him $40 million a year, it would be a grave mistake. They need to look at a situation like the Rams or like the Philadelphia Eagles and go, uh-oh, can we learn from maybe paying a guy too much money, so to speak? And how can they not become those two teams in two years from now? Dak Prescott deserves good player money, but the Cowboys, I actually think, have been smart about this. They've managed this where they have wiggle room. One, I've never badmouthed Dak Prescott. I've literally said since day one, he's a good player. That's not badmouthing the guy. I've said he's a remarkable dude. Everything I hear about him is he's a great leader. But my job is to be as honest as what my eyes tell me to be. He's not great. He's not elite. No, he's good. You know who people say is good, great, and elite? That would be Giannis, the NBA ESPN Radio. Tune in Sunday. Giannis, who did get paid, and the Bucks host Kawhi and the Clippers, who also got paid, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 3 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. Key. I'm surprised Dan didn't call him a family man because I don't, understand, uh, what, I don't understand what being a good dude has to do with you playing football. I mean, I, I just don't get it. All right, let's give Dan a little bit of support here. Here comes the cavalry pulling up. From what, in many cases, is Cowboy territory in the state of New Mexico. They love the Cowboys in New Mexico. Josh is in New Mexico. You're on ESPN Radio. What do you got? 
How's it going? So, hey, thank you. I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to be on the, the show. Um, I honestly appreciate you guys, DJ, you know, Zubin, you guys are great listening every morning. But what I will say is, you know, I kind of, I definitely agree with Dan. I feel, um, you know, th- in this sport, you got to understand that there's, there's a cap. And whereas I wouldn't, I respect what you, what you say, Key, you know, don't want to mess with, you know, another man's money. But when it affects the rest of the team and how, you know, their money can be spread around, you were talking about a team that has a struggling defense. You know, and you got to make sure you don't want to end up in a situation where that money is starting to affect other other places. Basically, mm. since, you know, he has the point of not having success with the team around him. I, I agree with you as far as where he is compared to Russell Wilson. Not far off, but Russell Wilson has had, at times, really good teams around him, and he's been able to get to the Super Bowl. Dak has had some good players around him and was able to get mostly to maybe to the first round of the playoffs. You do you know, realize so you do realize they lost the entire offensive line. Somebody retired on him. You do realize Ezekiel Elliott was having some running, some fumbling issues. He held out a little bit. You do realize the head coach and Jason Garrett wasn't doing great. They got Mike McCarthy, then Dak Prescott got hurt. On top of that, when you start to fall into this notion of you can't, you spend the money on the quarterback and, and you can't get other players. Well, the Los Angeles Rams spent a lot of money on Jared Goff. Seems to me that they continue to keep paying players. I wonder how they continue to do that, whether it's Aaron Donald, whether it's, it's, it's uh, Jalen Ramsey, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Jared Goff, Whitworth, the, tie, the left tackle. I don't, I don't understand how they keep doing that if money is an issue at the quarterback spot all the time. I get so sick and tired of people using that as an excuse. Don't pay the quarterback. Well, I guess Buffalo shouldn't pay Josh Allen because they got to pay Stephon Diggs at some point again, and they're going to have to pay some other players at some point again, right? I mean, they shouldn't. Maybe the Browns shouldn't pay Baker Mayfield because also, they're going to have to forgot, pay other players. You forgot about how bad their defense was this past year. I mean, the reason why Mike Nolan got fired, right? I mean, the defense was dreadful, giving up a ton of points per game. Was that, was that scheme or was that players? Mike Nolan hadn't coached in a hundred years, exactly. man. So what? What so. is it? I just—it's funny though when people start to say, "Don't pay somebody," but it's okay to pay Carson Wentz, or it's okay to pay Josh Allen, but it's not okay to pay Dak Prescott. I just—it's I, funny. I can't. To me. I, it's okay. I can't. I'm gonna drop the beat. Alan. Drop the beat. I need. We need to do keys. Keys to love. <laughs> With the green eyes, Keys. What are we, what are we doing this weekend, Keys? It's Friday. I'm tired of talking about Dak Prescott. Keys to love with Friday. the green eyes. Keys to love for the weekend. If I had green eyes, I'd be dangerous, man. I don't have <laughs> I don't have green or blue eyes. But if Zubin had green eyes, uh-oh. It's movie night you know at the crib, man. I just got to figure out if I'm messing around with a pizza to sit up and watch Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, you know, I like that because it's a, it's, a, it's a kid, family, adult movie. I mean, it's, you know. It's gonna be just fun. hearing you talk to about Tom and Jerry to the beat, though. Man, that just, was just, that was one of my eyes, best. Vibe, you know what I mean? That was one of my Ooh. best television shows that I used to cartoons I used to watch as a kid. Because I can never what are we understand for dinner how tonight, a cat Zubin? allow a rat to do that to him. 
What or do we mouse? got for dinner tonight, Zubin? What are we ordering? I don't know. That's a good question. I got some time to think about it. I probably won't be going Tom and Jerry, though. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's Why a not? classic, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, at least he's not watching like murder mysteries. I can't stand at least watch something happy. But if I'm 42 and single and sitting in my apartment watching Can Tom and Jerry, what are people going to think about? <laughs> well, I mean, for a minute. you know, who knows? Now when you put it that way. Right? <laughs> now when you put it that way. Who, who knows? I, it, it, it'll be fun. Oh, hey. uh, then I'll get ready for the Lakers. You know, watch a little bit of that. Ooh. What's wrong with you, man? Don't show the chain on the feet. Dude, man. This is the, this is the oh, jam right Yeah, you starting up, to, baby. Yeah, we hey. need to hurry up and get you back up to Seaport on Monday because you got some issues going on, sir. <laughs> Jay's going to be back with us on uh, Monday. It'll be reunited and feel so good. We look forward to having you back with us Monday morning, every weekday morning. Dan Orlowski, man, please. Eastern. We should Go say. Ahead, Zubin. Show off a little bit of that chest hair, Zubin. No, breathe, baby. don't want to see it. Go ahead, Zubin. <laughs> Show them, Zubin. It's cool here in the studio. A little bit of a draft. On that note, Greeny <laughs> is next on many of these ESPN radio stations. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com.